Well, good evening to you. I don't know about the, uh, the worship. Aren't they doing brilliantly, these guys? Shall we just say yeah? They, uh, they got cut down in size. Um, a few hours ago, I was called Laura. So yeah, if you were here to see Laura Hancock, uh, Laura is stuck on the other side of the snow up near Birmingham. So she's not with us tonight and you got me instead. But the good news is that Laura, well, you might not think that's good news that I'm here, but there is good news. Laura is coming back next week. So at our two carol services uh, next week, uh, you, if you want to, uh, in the evening ones, afternoon and evening ones, we've got one in the morning as well, which is for families and uh, be great for, for younger ones. Then you'd be really welcome, really welcome at those. Uh, anyway, I'll do my best. I'm Andrew, if I haven't met you, and I'm part of the leadership team here at Trinity. And it's really great to, to, to be with you. Um, looking forward to Christmas, yeah? Yeah. 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 Good. Favourite cracker jokes, worst cracker jokes. My particular favourite is what goes ho, ho, swoosh. Ho, ho, swoosh. Santa Claus caught in a revolving door. Not good, is it? Uh, you know, I'll do my best. Okay, or maybe, you know, you're going to watch some films. Watch some films, okay? So uh, what, about, what about the Star Wars films? Because that, uh, that prompts me with my favourite Christmas joke, which is a really old, bad joke, but I love it because I am old. Hopefully not bad, but I am old and a bit of a joke. Anyway, it's that one where uh, Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader are, you know, in the middle of the fight, as, as you can see in that clip taken from the Lego version, which is the best version, just saying. And they're, and they're there and they're fighting and they get one of those moments when the, uh, the lightsabers cross and as, as they're sort of, you know, Darth Vader is sort of pressing down on Luke and he goes, I know, Luke, what you're going to get for Christmas. And Luke's like, this guy, no, no, you don't, you don't know, you don't know. I know, I know what you're going to get for Christmas, Luke. Darth Vader's suddenly gone Chinese, hasn't he? Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) And Luke goes, how do you know? How do you know what I'm going to get for Christmas? Look, I have felt your presence. (laughs) Come on. Come on. How good is that as a joke? I, I'm, I'm guessing. I'm guessing if you're going to watch films this Christmas, you probably won't be watching the 1965 American epic, which was indeed called the greatest story ever told. It uh, it was produced by George Stevens. It was uh, notable for its large cast uh, and loads and loads of famous people did just uh, small cameo roles in it. It was Charlton Heston. This is going to age us now. Charlton Heston, uh, Telly Savalas. Anyone remember Telly Savalas? Yeah, don't admit to that. Angela Lansbury. And, and, and there was John Wayne. If we just put the picture up again, John Wayne, as, as it says on that sort of advertisement, John Wayne as the Roman. <laughs> and uh, 
maybe some of you are too young to even know who John Wayne is, but you know, he's the kind of get off your horse and drink your milk cowboy guy. And so in this film, what happened was it just had the most amazing cast of famous people. And they were just prepared to just pop up for a couple of minutes. So at one point, John Wayne does pop up because it's the the story of Jesus from the nativity uh, right the way through the whole of Jesus' life and through all the events in the last week at, at the first Easter. Did you see that survey, by the way, that said some people think that Jesus was born at Easter? Christmas, okay, nativity, through to Easter, to when he died, and then the resurrection. And at one famous moment, John Wayne walks forward and goes, Truly this was the Son of God. Apparently it put you off even more than that would have put you off. Do you know that film, though, was still nominated for five Academy Awards. It was over four hours long, and it, and it went way over budget. Uh, But the director, George Stevens, says it was a story that had to be told. A story that had to be told. The greatest story. I don't know, maybe you're here tonight and you already kind of, yeah, you know, you, you are there. You would say, this is the greatest story as we've been singing about it. Or maybe you're here tonight and you're thinking, well, it's a great story. And I love, I love revisiting it once a year, but greatest story? Not sure about that. How would you go about proving that? Well, I just want to take you very briefly back to the first reading that we had tonight. It was from a guy called John, who was one of the, the four biographers, the four gospel writers about Jesus. And John is, is probably the last of the four that was written, and he's a little bit more sort of kind of, he's got a bigger perspective on things. He uses a lot of beautiful metaphor and and sort of picture language and here we are candle lit and John uses the imagery of light and darkness right the way through his biography story his gospel of Jesus and and did you notice at the beginning of that reading it was our very first one tonight in the beginning the word already existed in the beginning the word already existed this is, the, this is the first bit of, bit of proof, actually, I think, as to why this is the greatest story. Because what's claimed there is that Jesus was with God. Jesus and God, one in the same being, right at the very, very beginning of time, of the beginning of everything. And if that doesn't make your head hurt a little bit then you're not even beginning to think about it because it, it gets kind of worse, doesn't it? As a, as a Christian, I believe that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That, that's God with us now. And I, I believe that he's all three of those things all at the same time. I don't believe that he's sometimes the Father, sometimes the Son, sometimes the Holy Spirit. I believe that God is three in one being. It's a mystery, it's a, it's a bigger concept than, than I could make up, any of us could make up. You know, if you were trying to create a God, if you were trying to say, let's get people to follow this guy Jesus, let's, let's build up a story around him and let's commit our lives to him, you would not say, let's reveal him to be three in one. We live in a culture that that claims that the majority of us don't believe in anything at all outside of what we can see around us. But 
But I don't find that true. And maybe you're here tonight partly because you don't find that true. We're, we're, we're desperate, aren't we, to find out, is, is there something more? Is there someone more? Is there a reason for the season? John says that Jesus was there right at the beginning. That's the beginning of the story, is the beginning of creation. That's the first bit that makes this the greatest story ever told. And then John went on to say this, God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light. So the second bit that makes this the greatest story ever told is that God has been revealing himself to us. He's been revealing this story to us over all of the centuries. John was, was what we would call a prophet. He was someone who came with a message from God. And God had been sending prophets. We've, we've heard them read that last reading from Isaiah was a, another prophet. The good news is that the one who created the whole world, created everything. The one who gives reason and purpose to life isn't isn't just a mystery. He didn't start the world up, create the world and then set it off on its way and say, see you guys, sorry, I can't help you. God is interested in us. Even this morning on the radio, I heard the the commentator, the radio presenter, TV presenter, Melvin Bragg say, I'm interested in whether or not there is a divine being. But that the idea that there could be a divine being interested in me, I struggle with that. Well, Melvin, if you're watching, he is. And then the third thing that John says is the word became human. The word Jesus became human and made his home among us. And that's the heart of the greatest story ever told, isn't it? That's what we're celebrating, is that in that baby Jesus, God comes down and lives here on earth. He gets literally down into the poo of the stable, literally into it. Do you know the Greek behind that God uh, made his home with us is, is set up tent. And it's not an imagery of a dodgy camping holiday. It's the imagery, the metaphor, the picture, the truth of closeness. I just wonder if there's a few people here tonight who you believe in God. You you have a sense of divine being or you might call him first cause or you might just say other You have a sense there's something. Maybe you can't even dare to say someone. Well, there is. And he's interested in you. And we didn't go off in a little spaceship and find somebody to be our God. The great news is he's not created in our image. If you're worried about all the situations in the world, you're, you're worried how to make sense of, of life and, and everything. You wouldn't want somebody to give you truth who we had made up. You would want God to be God. 
you would want to hear the greatest story and the best news of all that he has come to meet with us. The word has become flesh and made home with us. And when, when that happened, you'd expect things to change, wouldn't you? And they did change because Jesus divides time. There's before Christ and after Christ. Do you know what? Before Jesus, in Greek and Roman thinking, people used to think that time was circular. So Aristotle and Plato, the great philosophers of their time, said time is just like a repeating cycle of, of seasons. Or it's related to the, to the stars, interconnected with the movement of the planets. But after Jesus comes, we gain our understanding that time is linear. There is a beginning. There is a creation. And there's a story that is unfolding to a purpose. Jesus divided time. And then John goes on to say, if you want to believe in this being the greatest story, this Jesus was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory. The greatest story of all tells us that, that God is wonderful in his nature. He's, he's not someone to be frightened of. I, I know some people who think about God being like a great Santa Claus in the sky. You, you say your prayers and sort of pull the lever and then God will deliver. But I know a lot of other people who think that God is like some great angry headmaster in the sky. He's not like that. We've seen God in Jesus and he is full of love. And he's faithful. You can trust him. There's a few of us maybe just wondering, can I really trust God? What would happen if I, if I went for it? Well, John says you can trust him. And of course, you know what? Finally, the best bit of the story is that the end is being written now. It's said that there are four stages of life. Stage one, you believe in Father Christmas. Stage two, you don't believe in Father Christmas. Stage three, you are Father Christmas. Stage four, you look like Father Christmas. Well, the Bible says that actually you can think about time chronos as a line, but you can also think about time Kairos, moments of opportunity. Kronos speaks about quantity of time. Kairos is about quality of moments. And when Jesus came to earth, that was the Kairos moment. It was just the right time. For God to step in to the, the line of human history and reveal himself in all of his fullness. And then to say from now, from now, there are kairos moments of opportunity. Quality moments where you can write the ending of your story with God. God. 
You can write yourself into the greatest story that's ever been told. John wrote, But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. It's the greatest story because it's a gift. Like all gifts, it can only be received. It can't be earned. You can't be good enough. God doesn't want to stock our minds with more knowledge about him and about who he is and his plans for the world. God wants to fill our hearts. With his love and his truth. Are you here tonight and you're under pressure of chronos thinking? There's just not enough time. Well, God's offering you a kairos moment. Are you here tonight and you've, you've thought about there being someone, something other, but you haven't been sure? Well, God is offering you right now a Kairos moment. It is pregnant with opportunity. It is the right time. The right time. The greatest story can be the greatest story because you write yourself into it. At the Olympics of 1992, something quite remarkable happened as a Kairos moment in the middle of a Kronos situation. The athlete Derek Redmond, we'll put a picture up, was expected to be one of the best hopes for a medal in the 400 metres. Aged 19, he had smashed the Great Britain record. And in 1991, he was part of the GB relay team at the World Games in Tokyo. He'd run one of the fastest times already in the 400 metres that year. This was his moment. This was his stage. He was determined to win a medal. Semi-finals. He's poised. He sets off. He's doing well. He's on the bend. And suddenly, hamstring goes. Expectations shattered. He crumples to the ground. There's a disturbance in the corner of the arena. There's a large black man forcing his way past the stewards, forcing his way onto the track. Just at, exactly at that moment, Derek Redmond tries to get up and starts to, to stumble towards the finishing line. His, his father, who is that man, of course, comes breaking through the stewards and grabs him around and says, says you don't have to do this. You don't have to do it. And Derek Redmond says, yes, I do. And his dad 
Jim Redmond says, right, we'll finish this together then. And he helped his son across the line. And the crowd stood. Tears flowed. Cheers rang out. In strict chronos time, he had lost. He had won nothing. But in a kairos moment, he had won everything. He'd made a new definition of what it means to win. And that is what God has done. That is why this is the greatest story ever told. And the ending is being written right now. Are you part of it? Are you part of it? It's not something to do lightly. It's something to do thoughtfully. To turn and say yes to Jesus is to do just that, is to turn. It's to change your mind. It's to change your heart. It's to even change the direction of your life. And I'm going to read a prayer now. Because I think there are some people here who might want to seize this moment. And this prayer speaks of turning. Of saying sorry for things that have been wrong. Things of darkness. In order to take hold of light. I'll give you just a moment to consider whether you want to pray this prayer. And then I'm going to pray it line by line. And if you want to, just say it quietly after me. If this is the right moment for you. Lord Jesus Christ. I am sorry for the things that I have done wrong in my life. Please forgive me. I turn to you. Thank you that you came to be born on earth, to live, to die on a cross, and to rise again so that I can be forgiven and set free. Thank you that you offer me the gift of forgiveness and the gift of your presence through the Holy Spirit. I receive these gifts. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. That prayer comes from a book called Why Christmas. 
And I've got some copies of it to hand to anyone who prayed that prayer and who wants to just come and receive that afterwards and then just maybe a couple of thoughts for you quietly just about how you might go further.